Hey, this is Bill's Vader, and you're now listening to the Wandering Buffalo Podcast with your hosts, Andrew and Justin. May the Bills be with you. Go Bills! Hello and welcome into another episode of the Wandering Buffalo Podcast, a show here on the Built in Buffalo Network. My name is Andrew Chang and alongside me is my co-host Justin Goddard. Uh, as always, you can find us on most social media and podcasting platforms and even on YouTube by searching up the Wandering Buffalo Podcast. Welcome back. So today we got to talk about some news. Um, no surprise here, the Bills have a new offensive coordinator and i'm using air quotations here because we all suspected that it was going to be ken dorsey and uh you know it turns out it was so that's great bobby johnson left we got a new offensive line coach and um joe brady shea tyranny tyranny left and we also brought in joe brady as the new quarterbacks coach Uh, so a lot to unpack there but justin did i miss anything I don't think you missed anything. Circle back, you said uh, Joe Brady twice there. The new offensive line coach uh, replacing OG Bobby Johnson oh, yeah. as uh, Phil Rusher. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. for Double down on my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> so, to summarize, those who left, Brian Dable, Shea Tannery, Bobby Johnson. That's who's left. Coming in is Phil Rusher, Joe Brady, And I guess who got retained is Ken Dorsey, promoted. Sound right? Sounds right to me. Okay, well, let's let's go from old to new stuff. And uh, after that, we'll jump into our, you know, 13 reasons why to be uh, excited. Sorry, 13 reasons to be excited for the Bills' upcoming season. So, Ken Dorsey, we, we, I use in air quotations here, because as Bills fans, we kind of had this feeling like maybe he's going to go to the Giants. I read some reports online that, you know, hiring Brian Dable was a package deal that Ken Dorsey was supposed to come with him. Now, we ultimately know that this didn't happen, and I'm pretty excited about that because of the following reasons. Continuity is stabilized at one bill's drive you're not bringing in someone who's not i guess not with the times with the bills you got someone who's been well juiced up by josh allen himself so that's another thing and a lot of in another way you can kind of you kind of saw this coming because last year he got promoted to passing game coordinator so it seemed like he had the most you know, straightforward track to becoming the offensive line coach. The only obstacle here was allegedly other teams were interested in Ken Dorsey and outside of the Giants. So it I might I guess my biggest fear was are other teams going to pay Ken Dorsey significant significantly more money than we are? Is that gonna be enough to retain him, the continuity aspect? And it turns out that so far, I mean, I don't know what he got paid, but so far it looks like that continuity aspect 
and working with Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, and the rest of the gang seems more appealing than jumping to the Giants with Daniel Jones and company. Yeah, there's uh there's actually a lot of reasons I'm excited for this and really only one hesitation that I have, and that would be that he hasn't called he hasn't been a play caller at this level, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll kind of touch on that as we get into some of the other moves we've had. Um, but as you mentioned, it, it was reported there's up to 11 offers out there for Ken Dorsey. And, you know, compensation aside, he, he decides to stay when there's other options out there. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I really like about this is, as we see, you know, this Brian Flores story come out saying, you know, mm-hmm. it was a bad work environment and Dable was thinking about leaving anyways. And then it's kind of immediately followed up with, well, Dorsey wants to stay. You know, he he had options to go elsewhere. Right. And probably pretty similar money, if not the same, that was being offered. Um, so, you know, in kind of the same news cycle as, well, maybe the Bills have a bad work environment, a uh, guy with tons of options decides to stay. Um, so I, I really liked hearing that. Um, I also think... You know, the continuity piece is important. Uh, you know, the, the fact that he was kind of endorsed by some of the players, um, already has eyeballs on them, knows what they do well, knows what they like to run. Um, but also the little bit of change that will come with it, um, whereas it's not going to be the exact same scheme that Dayball was running. Um, but mm-hmm. he has been working with Dayball. Um, so a lot of the pieces, you know, Day one of training camp, they're not installing a new playbook for a new coordinator that they've never met. Um, They kind of already have the base work to work with. And then whatever he can add and subtract away, um, I think just kind of a fresh look at it and, you know, a little bit of a different take on on how to coordinate could be a really good thing for Josh and the offense. Yeah, and I I agree completely. I think... A breath of fresh air. Again, he, it's not entirely fresh, right? Because we retain Ken Dorsey and really promote him. But there, there's a lot to be ex- excited about because change is coming. But we're probably going to see a lot of carryover from the previous plays into this playbook. So um, another, another angle, really, while keeping the same stuff. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, new development of plays, so why not? Why, why, like, why can't this offense be better under Ken Dorsey? And I'm finding hard reasons to come up with it. If and all, any honestly, it should, you know, not not trying to pump them up too much, but I can see every reason why this Bills offense could be just as good, if not better. Um, and you know, I'm always a half class kind of full kind of person, so maybe maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but who knows. And you mentioned the lawsuit, so I'll, I'll kind of put my... I didn't really want to talk about that too much, but here we are. <laughs> um, I kind of find it hard to believe that after... How, how long was Dable here? Like three, four years? Something like that? Yeah. Out, out of nowhere, he goes... This is brought up like, oh, he hated his time in Buffalo. It's just like, okay. If he really hated his time in Buffalo, he could have left any of those years and then may, but again, maybe I don't have the facts, facts, right. I'm just kind of working with what I have in front of me. And also there are plenty of people that I work with 
that I don't like, but I'm able to work with them. And I think that's the important thing, right? You're not going to like everyone. And this is out. This is just, you can apply this to every workplace. There are probably multiple people you don't like to work with, or you don't like as people, but yet you find a way to work with them in order to achieve your goal, which happens all around America. <laughs> and, you know, all, not even America, just like the world in general. So I'm not going to put too much uh, stock into the fact that Brian Dable really hated his time here because, I mean, he had a lot of success and team success is pretty fulfilling, for me at least. So let's move on to the second uh, hiring. So Joe Brady, this really amped up guy coming out of LSU, gets his chance at you know Carolina to be their offensive core line, uh, coordinator. Things don't really work out after two years, not even a, a year and a half, really. Gets the boot. He's on the street. And then he kind of takes a position down because I know he was getting head coaching interviews and offensive coordinator interviews, but he said, no, I want to come back and work as a quarterback's coach with the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, which... In my head, like, how can you not be excited about this? This is a this is a guy with a lot of upside who people have sought out for higher positions who looks, you know, I mean, right now his start NFL career start didn't look too hot, but you know it's there. Can the Bills really help develop him in the quarterback's court, uh, quarterback's room and get his career back on track? So I'm pretty excited about that. What are your thoughts, Justin? So for me, this is this is probably the hire I'm most excited about, and I kind of oh, yeah? yeah, I kind of touched on it with uh, Ken Dorsey, and um, the only question I really have is kind of the play calling and the game planning install for the week, and I was kind of concerned of you know if we just kind of promoted everybody in the organization up a step that. There wouldn't really be that guy to bounce ideas off of. And seeing Joe Brady come in and, you know, having that offensive coordinator experience, um, calling the plays and whatnot, it just it, to me, it's kind of like, you know, position aside, kind of like when you have a younger quarterback and you bring in, you know, a, a veteran backup, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, pick a McCown, and it's just kind of, that voice in the room that's seen some of the things that you haven't seen yet and can kind of help you and bounce ideas off of you. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited for, for Joe Brady. And I think there's, there's a lot of other things to like too. You know, he, he was a William and Mary alum like McDermott. Um, he, I did not know that he did his master's work at Penn state, which checks a, a box for, uh, for the Pagulas. So he was okay. kind of, uh, I kind of figured the offensive coordinator was going to be Dorsey's job to either take or leave on the table. Um, mm -hmm. But Joe Brady's somebody that I had in mind. Obviously, there's the Carolina connection as well. You know how we like to mm -hmm. trade players back and forth and whatnot. Um, so he was somebody that I had in mind for an OC position. So so getting him in the building to take a step lower position and kind of be that soundboard for Ken Dorsey I, I think that could be quite the marriage. You know, it's funny that you mentioned the Carolina 
connection and the pipeline that clearly exists between Buffalo and Carolina is before I even looked, I forgot who posted it, but you know, so basically the standard breaking news post that you see on social media, Bill's hire so-and-so. I didn't even look at the face or the name. I just saw Carolina's jacket on it. And I was like, of course, <laughs> you know, not like that's a bad thing, but I, I just, it's just kind of funny to me. And at this point, but uh, no, you're right. I think, I think Joe Brady is more than adequate. And like I said, this is a high upside kind of hire kind of like what the bills did in you know when they draft people they pick a lot of people with high upside with their talents not to be reached yet i for for me this hire is almost in the same category if not the same category so i'm pretty excited about it and then the last uh the last news piece that we got to talk about is the offensive line coach bobby johnson left and it's reported that the Bills did not try to give him another contract or maybe Bobby Johnson wanted to leave. Regardless, he leaves, goes to the Giants. So he's got to deal with that train wreck. Now we have Phil Rosher coming over from, reportedly, coming from, uh, Phil Rosher coming from the Minnesota Vikings, which I'm, I'm going to say this first. I don't know a lick about this guy. I'm not going to sit here and try to like tell you everything about this dude because I don't. That's just, <laughs> you know, that's just who I am. What I what I will say from my, you know, small research is that the players talk really well of him. You know, and I looked up ESPN's 2021 uh where is it? 2021 run blocking, pass blocking stats, and the Vikings for team pass block win rate was at 25th at 54%. Run block win rate, 13th at 71%. So doesn't surprise that shouldn't surprise you. They got Dalvin Cook over there, and they, they run the ball really well. The Bills know how to you know run block effectively in fact in this same article they were eighth in pass blocking right but in run blocking the bills were 23rd so <laughs> hopefully bringing in phil rosher will teach this offensive line how to run block better while you know obviously maintaining their ability to pass block and players were raving about phil rosher and what i really I'm excited about is the fact that this guy again like Joe Brady has a lot of upside the Bills are taking a chance with someone who's got a high ceiling that's awesome like I I, I saw some of the reports of other offensive line coaches there was some guy from the Jaguars and I was like oh I, that does not sound like someone who I want personally and I'm trying to think of who else yeah, and then yeah, it just look, just looked like it was that guy at the moment. I can't find anything else. But still, I would have not like. I would. I much prefer Phil Rosher over Ryan Wendell of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I don't know how you feel about this. If you're 
having parallel feelings with the Joe Brady hiring and the Phil Rosher one like I am. But Justin, why don't you tell me how you feel? So th- this one I'm a little bit back and forth about. And mm-hmm. um, something you touched on that I was going to bring up is kind of that that betting on traits and um, going after like this new look. And it's another young guy that they're bringing in. He's only 36 years old, um, spent the last two years with the Vikings. And, you know, you bring up the stats with with the pass and run uh, blocking win rates. Um, it's kind of the exact opposite of what the Bills are right now. So maybe, you know, with what our line already does well, what they need to work on, maybe we meet somewhere in the middle with both. Um, but this, this is an area for me where it's kind of like, well, what offensive line is he getting to work with? Um, cause mm-hmm. kind of like the first six games, first half of the year, uh, that offensive line was a train wreck and, mm-hmm. you know, we see some pieces move around. Ryan Bates kind of solidifies a spot at guard, uh, Spencer Brown comes in, Daryl Williams moves. So, you know, we beginning of the season, we think we have this starting five in mind. And by the end of the year, there's only, you know, Mitch Morrison, Deion Dawkins in their original position. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, for me, this one will be interesting to see, you know, through free agency, through the draft, what kind of pieces we add in to help. And, you know, was Ryan Bates kind of this flash in the pan or, you know, is he really legit? And the Bills kind of knew what they had in him, but his positional versatility as a backup was too valuable. Buddy, so you just you just made me remember something that I thought about when when I saw that Bobby Johnson left. How is it? So Bobby Johnson, I don't think he did a bad job. I don't think he did an exceptionally well job at the same time. And that's no like. No problem against him is, but there are some things on the record that's going to look kind of off. He sent, it, it took him, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. Um, Wyatt Teller. Cleveland. Yeah. Things didn't work with him and Wyatt Teller. He couldn't get anything out of him. So the bills ended up trading him. Wyatt Teller becomes an all pro, like high paid guard. In my head, it's just like, I mean, come on. Like, you, could, you couldn't get anything out of All-Pro. All he was, like, right there in your lap, and uh, you couldn't extract anything from him. And, you know, to the to respects for the to the Browns, they have really good offensive line coach, you know. So I, I'm not going to, like, take too much from him, but still, like, bro, you had Wyatt Teller here. And then when you – you already mentioned this. It took us forever to get Ryan Bates out there at the left guard spot. And there's two things with that, right? The Bills really like depth. So they liked Ryan Bates because he could go at all five positions, but it's clear when he got on the field that he was just way better. His high upside was at the guard spot. So for me, it's like, why did it take us that long to do that? And I don't know. For me personally, it those are some smudge marks that if – I'm, you know, controlling the front office and the coaching staff, which I'm not. <laughs> if I'm looking at that, it's just kind of I'd be like, well, how did that happen? You're you're a professional and you had an all pro, and it didn't work out. You couldn't get anything, and you know, this is a sidetrack. You couldn't get anything out of Cody Ford. 
Um, and it turns out an undrafted free agent that we traded for from the Eagles ends up being the answer this season at left guard. Oh, by the way, Feliciano, your original starting left guard, is on the bench basically ever since he got hurt. You never really saw him back out there. <laughs> so that, that's, a, that's a lot of head-scratching, if you ask me. And I do want to apologize because I misspoke earlier. So the Bills were looking at assistant offensive line coach Ryan Wendell. So he, some guy in-house. And Jacksonville Jaguars, George Warhop as the other two candidates. I misspoke. And I want to read this excerpt real quick from Buffalo Rumblings because I think I think they did a good job and by Matt Warren. And he does a real good job of kind of summarizing how I feel about this. And Justin, I'll let you kind of flush out your thoughts afterwards. But uh, here, here's what Matt had to say. <clears throat> Rosher doesn't have any apparent connections to Buffalo's current coaching staff. He was on the Vikings coaching staff in 2020 and 2021, sorry, working for Mike Zimmer. In 2018 and 2019, he was on the Washington coaching staff under Jay Gruden. From 2015 to 2017, he was an entry-level coach for the Denver Broncos with Vance Joseph. This lack of connection was why I didn't include him on the list of potential offensive line coaches. Plus, the Vikings haven't hired a coach yet, so he's still under contract. At age 36, he's an up-and-coming coach. He played from 2003 to 2005 at UCLA before an injury from high school uh, reappeared and he was forced to retire. So, again, short career, but a lot of upside, under-the-radar kind of person, but my guy like i said i'm excited for this guy if he can if he is coming to buffalo yeah i think that's kind of what he puts in there about you know he's kind of already got five six years uh coaching into the league and and you know he's still a young man he's only 36 years old um so i i think he's kind of been moving up the ranks and this is you know Mm -hmm. kind of that next step so um somebody that like we both mentioned you know it's offensive line coaches are kind of hard to know a ton about um but somebody that Mm -hmm. i'm definitely getting myself excited for um also before we wrap up this segment because we got going on ryan bates there uh Mm -hmm. this is my official taking an l on ryan bates uh we were doing roster projection last year and i kept him right i think you kept him and yeah i remember i was talking about you know, yeah, it's great that he can play all five positions and blah, 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 but I'd rather have one guy that can do one position well. And if I had it my way, he would have been cut, and he turned out to be one of the one of the more pleasant surprises on the season. So yeah, I'll take my but L again, on that one. It's like, how, how did it take Bobby Johnson? Like, it took injury for, for us to get that guy out there. Um which, you know, I guess was a good thing. Not that people got hurt, but that he got his opportunity to, you know, get out there and show showcase his skills, and it, it ended up working out. And, like, to your point, you know, this might be a flash in the pan. So, who knows? Only the future will. So, <laughs> let's, uh, let's have our fingers crossed and hope that the Bills finally figured out at least one of the guard spots. 
um, because Daryl Williams' contract is a little ludicrous if he's going to be the starting guard moving forward. But uh, that's for another episode. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey, this is Dick DeGroat, Bill's dad. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to wrap up this episode. I am Andrew Chang, and alongside me is my co-host, Justin Goddard. You can find us on most social media and podcasting platforms by searching up the Wanting Buffalo podcast. You can find me by searching up Two Changs and Justin by searching up JGods22. Welcome back. Justin, we're going to kick the rest of this episode off by doing our 13 reasons to be excited for the Buffalo Bills. Last week, I kicked things off by talking about Brandon Bean. Number one, reason numero uno. Who do you have at number two? Because I tasked you, and for the listeners out there, I don't know who Justin picked, so I'm going to hand the mic over to him, and he's just going to take it from there, and I'm just going to respond to it. So what what I'm noticing with this exercise is it's really fun how many reasons that there are to be excited and Mm -hmm. You know, we picked 13, you know, kind of in homage to the last 13 seconds of the game and and something to look forward to. Um, Mm -hmm. But trying to figure out, you know, who I want to talk about and what order should we be doing them? And there's just so many things to be excited about. So I'll start with that. Um, Mm -hmm. But for this week's episode, I wanted to talk about Mr. Toe Drag Swag himself, my guy, number 13, Gabrielle Davis. Um, just okay. a ton to like about this young man. And, mm-hmm. you know, there. Th- I'll start by saying there's a lot of debate out there of like, is Gabriel Davis ready to be a wide receiver too? You know, we did this last year. Is he ever going to be a true wide receiver too? Well, I don't personally care what number receiver we give any of these players. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just glad he's on my team. And the way Josh Allen moves the ball around and, you know, somebody wants to take away Stefan Diggs in a week, that's fine. Our other guys are going at it. So the designation of what number on the roster he is doesn't really matter to me all that much. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we saw him last year have this this booming rookie season and he looked real intriguing and he was making big play after big play. And then... You know, we talked about it a lot on this podcast, kind of a quieter, slow start to the season. You know, he mm-hmm. had a, a little bit of injury concerns in there. Um, so he ends the season with um, 35 receptions on 63 attempts, uh, 549 yards and six touchdowns, which, you know, mm-hmm. overall, not crazy eye-popping numbers, but remembering that in the system, he is wide receiver four. Um but then we have the, you know, the recency bias and and something that I can't get out of my head. And, and that's those postseason numbers he put up. Right. This guy had 10 receptions on 13 targets, 242 yards, and five touchdowns. Now, I know four of those touchdowns came in, in one game and like 200 yards of it came historic in one game. Historic performance. Yeah. So. yeah this, historic game. You can't take that away. Right. Exactly. And... This is the kind of guy where, you know, it. depending on what we do rounding out the receiver group, whether he ends up at, you know, three or four, you know, we have some, is McKenzie coming back? Is Beasley coming back? All that stuff is kind of minimized to me a little bit, knowing that up here we got Diggs and down here we got 
we got Gabe Davis and filling in the talent around that it it already starts shaping up to be a really exciting group so i i love gabriel davis and i'm so happy that you picked him and we all knew that he was going to be on this list and i i was just kind of w- wondering when when you were going to do it or if i was going to do it first but uh I, a couple things to unpack there there are a lot of reasons to be excited for the Buffalo Bills next season. So there's a chance we're probably not going to have a couple people on this list who definitely deserve to be on this list. It's just kind of just how it shook out. And Justin and I aren't talking to each other. We're just kind of going back and forth, ping-ponging. So if he wants someone on this list that I personally don't have on there, we don't have the opportunity to talk Too about bad. it. So if... <laughs> Yeah, if you have someone on this list that you think should be on there, feel free to reach out to us, uh, you know, comment, let us know who you think should be on this list. I'm I'm more than happy to talk to you about it and more than likely you're going to be right. Like there's no wrong answer to this in my personal opinion unless you pick someone super egregious, which I'm not going to name any names, but uh getting <coughs> back Hawk. to Gabriel Davis. <laughs> yes, yes, Mr. inconsistent. But uh getting back to Gabriel Davis, I thought those stats that you put up really just show how effective he was. Now you said, and this sounds a little, you know, wrong because he didn't really have eye popping stats, but when you extrapolate his stats over the last couple of games and to your point to the playoffs and a couple last regular season games, you, you know, Emmanuel Sanders comes out, Gabriel Davis gets a little more snap count and you see this man start to produce over and over. And next thing you know, he's getting two touchdown games and seeing the ball a lot more. Stefan Diggs, he gives, uh, Gabriel Davis gives a lot of praise to Diggs because he has those opportunities because Diggs is Diggs. Is, so I just, I'm very excited what this offense can do knowing that Gabriel Davis can be a potential number two wide receiver. There was a lot of debate in this offseason saying, like, you know, Gabriel Davis does what he can because he's a number four wide receiver or three or four in this offense. Well, now when Emmanuel Sanders went out, you saw Gabriel Davis get those number two roles, and it looked like it worked out pretty well. So I'm pretty excited to see what he produces in a, with more opportunities and more snaps under his belt. So I think your choice here for Gabriel Davis is well-deserved for this man. He's a young man, only completed two years into his rookie contract. We got two more cheap years with him, so that's awesome to know. And another thing is is that he was a fourth-round pick, I believe. Mm-hmm. I might be mis- you know, might not be saying that correctly, but that's great value for a fourth-round pick. And he's starting to, you know, come around. And everyone likes to talk about year three being the year that big things happen. Well, I I already saw, saw that potential in year two, at the end of year two. So lots to be excited about with Gabriel Davis. And who knows? Maybe we only saw the beginning of his ceiling and there's, there's more he could fill into. Yeah, a couple of the other things that I really like about him that you know, it gets kind of lost when you're just looking at, you know, raw stats. And one of the things being, you know, 
we'll start with those sideline catches. Um, you don't see a ton of players that can make those grabs. The focus it takes and it, mm-hmm. you know, he's shown that it's not like, oh, this happens once in a while. Like he's making those plays consistently. And it seems like a lot of the opportunities that he gets are coming in like these big third down situations. Mm-hmm. And he seems to have a really good chemistry with Josh Allen. You know, when that when the first play breaks down and you're moving through your second, third option and Josh is rolling to the right and somebody's got to come back to him and get open. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think when you're just looking at like the numbers, you know, you kind of need that little reminder of like, you know, how some of these plays came to happen. And it's not just, you know, well, he ran a 12 yard out and Josh hit him with the ball. Like, no, a lot of these plays are, you know, outside of structure and him knowing where he has to get for, get to be for Josh Allen to find him with the ball. And that's kind of leading to these, you know, third and seven. And all of a sudden you got this 25 yard reception to Davis on the sideline where either he Mm -hmm. was going to catch it or nobody was going to. Right, right. I don't really have more to add to that. Uh, just yeah, Gabriel Davis, you're 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 kind of being the man right now. So uh, high expectations for this guy going into the year three, and the next season. So um, other than that, I think that's gonna wrap it up for today's episode. Thanks for uh, sticking around. If you did, uh, if you have someone you want to list down in your thirteen reasons why, or if you disagree or agree with us, feel free to you know leave a comment, like or review our podcast, and I'd be gladly you know. Justin and I would be gladly to have that conversation with you. We we love having good conversations with, uh, you know, just Bills fans in general. As After all, we are just an average Joe, so we don't claim to be experts, and we definitely don't want to be experts because then we're, you know, I, I think I, I think that would be a little hard, hard to have conversations with normal folk like us, <laughs> uh, at least for me. So, anyways... As always, you can find us on most social media and podcasting platforms, even on YouTube by searching up the Wanting Buffalo Podcast. Justin, where can the people find you? You can find me on any social media at jgods22. And you can find me on most social media accounts by searching up 2 Changs. That's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening, and uh, until next week. Go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills.